I don't know about you, but that last song got me fired up. Like, I, I was like, I feel good. Yeah. Hey, if we haven't met before, my name is Eric, or as Shelby said, my friends call me Craft or Crafty. Uh, you can call me really whatever, and I'll probably answer to it, even if you just go, hey, you guy, right? Like, I will probably respond. So, but hey, I'm so excited to be with you this morning as we dive in to God's Word, as we continue in this series, Just Like. And if you weren't here last week, Mike set up this series, Just Like, and he talked about how we are looking at different characters from Scripture, these real people, and how we might be just like them. And he talked about Cain and how sin is always crouching at our door. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to or hear that message, I urge you, go online, watch that message. It's fantastic, and it's great for all of us to hear. But today, we're going to jump forward a few generations, and we're going to look at a story in the, in the Israelites' history about a character named Joshua. And specifically, the story about the Battle of Jericho. And I love that I get to preach to you on this. Because this book in Scripture means so much to me personally in my spiritual walk with Jesus. I've, I've spent a lot of time reading through this book. In 2019, I spent the whole year just in the book of Joshua learning what, he, what God had to say through this book. And there's a lot of really good stuff. And there's a lot of things happening in this battle scene that we're going to walk into today. But before we walk into this scene, I want to go back. I want to go back to the Exodus. I want to go back to the book of Numbers. And I want to see this scene that unfolds in Numbers 14. But before we read scripture, I want to lay kind of the foundation of what's happening here so that you really get a full picture of it. You see, the Israelites have been led out of Egypt. They've been brought into the wilderness and they were being led to the promised land. And God had been with them the whole way. And finally, they get to the spot where they're ready to like kind of enter into the promised land. And Moses sends out 12 spies to go and see what the land has for them. And these 12 spies included Joshua and another guy named Caleb and these other 10 guys. And we don't really get the names of the other 10 guys, but these these men go out and they're in the promised land area. And Joshua and Caleb come back excited. They come back pumped because they look around and they see that the land is good. It's flowing with milk and honey. They're like, this is what God has promised us all along. They are pumped because they can't wait to enter into what God has for them. But the other 10 dudes, they are terrified because all they see is the battle ahead. All they see is the battle ahead. They are petrified because they are a ragtag group of people in the desert. How on earth can they take over cities? How on earth can these fight these people that look like giants? And they go back to Moses and these 10 guys versus the two are like, nah, man, we can't do this. Like, this is terrifying. And so Moses and Aaron and the 12 spies, they go and they present this before the congregation of Israel. They present this before the whole people. And we see this scene unfold in Numbers 14. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephun, who were among those who had spied out on the land, tore their clothes and said to all the people of Israel, the land which we pass through and spy out on is is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all of the congregation said to stone them. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent 
of the meeting to all the people in Israel. Everyone in this scenario, except for Joshua and Caleb, are terrified. Moses and Aaron fall on their face. The people of Israel want to stone the two kids who are just like, let's go, God's with us. They're like, nah, man, I ain't fighting somebody. I'm going to kill these kids and stay here. Like, that's what they want to do. And as I processed it, because I believe the backstory of Joshua is important as we go to this moment in Jericho here a little bit later, as I was processing through it, I think all too often, church, we are more like the people of Israel than we are like Joshua and Caleb. And I want to be real with you this morning, and I just want us, I want us to confront that idea this morning. Because I think all too often, church, we let fear drive and motivate our decisions and our lives. We let fear drive and motivate us to do things as opposed to a radical trust in who God is and his promises. And I think the world doesn't need a church that's afraid. I think the world needs a church that is bold and called to action to do the work that the Father has set out before us. The church doesn't need the people of Israel, or the world doesn't need the people of Israel afraid. The, church, the world needs the church bold and active, chasing after the things God has for them, just like Joshua. And friends, that brings us to our first point this morning, is that just like Joshua, we are to be bold. We are not to be afraid. We are not to be scared. We are to be bold in our faith. I love this passage in 2 Timothy. Uh, it says that God did not give us a spirit of fear and of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. I want to say that again. God did not give you a spirit of fear, if you believe in him, or a spirit of being timid. It says he gives us a spirit of power, love, and self-control. It's in 2 Timothy. And I think it's really important that we, we understand that concept today. Because if we're real with one another, there are very real things to be terrified of, right? Like, it's real easy. Like, I don't know if you, anyone's turned on the news, like, recently, but, like, it can be terrifying to open up the news and go, man, this world is nuts, right? Like, I had a conversation with a couple of people these past few weeks, and there, there are some very real feels. One of the fears that was a dad was talking about the fear of the economy that he has and a looming recession might mean for him and his family, and he was really wrestling with that. I bet there's some people in this room who are fearful of their finances or fearful of the economy. And I bet there's also people in this room who are fearful of politics or maybe the geopolitical landscape. I had a conversation with a mom the other day who was just terrified because she sees a Chinese spy balloon in the war in Ukraine and she's like wrestling with all this stuff. And she's like, what does it mean? And she's like, I'm terrified for my kid. Oh, no, not the politics brings up another fear. We're terrified of our children's future and grandparents are terrified of their grandchildren's future. Like what world are they inheriting, Right? And we wrestle with these fears. Or it's real easy just to open up Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, or whatever other app you're on, and, you, and you're scrolling through, and you see a headline or a news story, or someone posts something. And it's like, man, the world doesn't feel safe, and it feels scary, and it feels like we're paralyzed by that fear. And I think it's all too easy, church, for us to be paralyzed by that fear and to be like the people of Israel rather than be bold in our faith. Rather, to boldly do the work that God has called us to do. It is real easy for us to be distracted by the things of this world instead of having our eyes set upon our Heavenly Father. 
Because if we believe this book that we come in here and listen about every single week and we read on our own and we worship this God who says in Revelation that he's going to make all things new, he's going to wipe away every tear and bring everything all together under his headship to restore everything, if we believe that, why are we living in fear? Why do we let fear rule our lives? I think oftentimes it's because we just get overwhelmed and we just get distracted and we take our eyes off the promises of God and we forget that he did not give us a spirit of fear or a spirit of being timid. He gave you a spirit of power, love, and self-control, scripture says. The world does not need the church afraid. The world needs the church to be bold, proclaiming the good news that Jesus has come to make all things new, to redeem and make everything new, to bring restoration to the lives of all people. Amen? Amen. That is what he has brought. And he needs us to go and share that message of good news. And just like Joshua, we are to be strong and courageous. And it's in that moment that we finally come to Joshua chapter 1, where it would have been really easy to start this sermon today instead of hopping all the way to Numbers 14. But Joshua 1 has so much more impact when we understand Numbers 14. And we understand the full context. Joshua 1 has a lot of power. If we really realize what Joshua might be wrestling with as God speaks to him. You see, Moses is dead. And Joshua now assumes leadership over all the Israelite people. And as he assumes leadership over all the Israelite people, God says this to Moses. Or not Moses, Joshua. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people into the land that I am giving them. To the people of Israel, every place that your sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you, just as I have promised Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. I want to pause right there for a second. Being strong and courageous. God has given us a promise. And that promise is he will be with us to the end of the age as we go out and make disciples of all nations. As we go out and do his work, he promises he will be with us. And that command of Joshua is resonated in the Great Commission as Jesus sends his disciples out and subsequently sends us out as well to go and do his work, to do the work that God has set before us. It does not require a timid church. It requires a bold church who is strong and courageous to do the things that God has called them to do, keeping with his law, keeping with his word. God even echoes that as he continues to speak to Joshua. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all according to the law of Moses, my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it from your right hand to your left, that you may have good success wherever you go. 
The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all according to is written to it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. For have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When God calls Joshua to leadership, he reminds him of the person he created him to be. When God calls Joshua to leadership, he reminds him of the person he created him to be. God created Joshua to be strong and courageous like he created you and I to be strong and courageous. And he reminds him at the end of that passage, do not be afraid. Do not let fear rule your life. But be strong and courageous because I have won. I have given this to you. I think it was easy for Joshua to maybe be a little bit afraid. Because if you're Joshua, you know Jericho is right around the corner, right? Like he's a leader. He's scouted this land. He knows that around the corner is a giant fortified city. And he has this ragtag group of Israelites who just a generation ago did not want to enter this land. And also there are a bunch of people in the desert who aren't like a real nation yet. They're not trained soldiers, right? Like these aren't people who fight in wars. They're people who hang out in the wilderness, right? And I'm not an expert about war or anything like that, but I'm pretty sure if you have a fortified city and a bunch of people in the wilderness, the fortified city's probably gonna win, right? Like that just, that makes sense in my head. And that probably made sense to Joshua and the people of Israel. So I have to imagine there's a little bit of fear or hesitancy. And I have to imagine that a generation just didn't die away and that people were no longer afraid or scared that human nature kind of dictates that, no, like there were probably people who were scared and who were afraid and who had to wrestle with what it meant to be bold to go out and do what God was going to call them to do. And God even tells Joshua here, be strong and courageous because he might get some backlash from the people like Moses did and he doesn't want him to be like Moses and fall on his face. He wants him to lead the people to the promised land. He wants him to lead the people to the thing he has for them. And church, he wants us to do a good work in this world as well. He wants us to show people what he has for them. This good news that Jesus has brought all things new and he is making all things new and he has brought redemption and healing and grace to the lives of all who accept him. So like Joshua, we must be strong and courageous to do the work set before us. What I've loved recently is that there's been baptism after baptism at our church. A few weeks ago, my wife Sam baptized Ava because Sam was bold enough to do the work of proclaiming her faith to Ava and walking with her in it. And then a week later, David baptized Trevor because David was bold enough to share his faith with Trevor at work and and lead him into a relationship with Jesus that ultimately got him baptized. And then today, we saw five baptisms, right? That's awesome. That's incredible. That is so we're celebrating. That happens because people were bold enough to share their faith with this family. In church, that's the work we're called to, to help people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and be committed to his mission so that they can go out and do the same. We must be bold in our proclamation. We must be strong and courageous because there is work to be done. And if we are on the sidelines, we are missing out on what God is doing. And if we are letting fear drive our lives instead of what God has done for us drive our lives, then we are missing out on what he is doing. And I get it. It's easy to be fearful. I get it. It's easy to be worried. 
Bad stuff happens every day. Will we let that stuff dictate our lives and drive our decisions? Will we let fear motivate us? Or will we let the good news of Jesus motivate us? Will we let power, love, and self-control motivate us? Will we let fear and timidness motivate us? I would argue the church does not need fearful people. The kingdom of God does not want fearful people. It wants a church that is bold and strong and courageous. And just like Joshua, we are to be strong and courageous. But how do we do that? How do we be strong and courageous? Because all too often it's easy to let fear rule our lives. But once again, we're going to continue in the story of Joshua. And it's Joshua chapter 6. It's now the battle of Jericho. This moment we kind of been building to all morning. It says this, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. And none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. And on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpet. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people will shout a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. And so Joshua, son of Nun, called the priest, and he said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let the priest bear seven trumpets of rams before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. Jericho is here. And I believe in this moment, it takes every ounce of faith that Israelite people have to do what God has called them to do. And that day in and day out for six days, they're going to march around this city one time. And I have to imagine that each time they're marching around the city, there's fear. Each time they're marching around the city, there's anxiety. Because if I was up against a giant fortified city, that would be my feeling. Because this seems hopeless. This seems like a battle we cannot win. This is dark and it's scary. But each time, they get up and they march. Because Joshua had faith. God will show up. And the question you must wrestle with today, the question each one of us must wrestle with, is do you have that kind of faith in the Lord? That even when it seems hopeless, even when it seems too difficult, even when the world is fearful and terrifying and there are stuff we don't understand, are you going to trust God with it? Or are you going to be fearful and timid? question you have to decide. Right now, we're going to uh, take a little time to celebrate communion like we do on a weekly basis. And as I uh, was thinking about uh, the message that we're having this morning, I began to think about uh, what that meant for me. 
You see, before I came to the point where I realized that I needed Jesus, I had built my own Jericho wall. The sin in my life felt like it was a barrier between me and God because I was too embarrassed to feel like I was in the presence of God with the sin that was in my life. I was too embarrassed for people to be able to see the sin in my life. And so it made me feel helpless. So just like the Israelites who come to this fortified city and look at it and say, how are we ever going to get through this? The answer was, you won't. But God will. There is nothing impossible for God. And so even as we saw the family come this morning, and surrender themselves to Jesus. When I came to that point and realized this was something bigger than what I could handle, then Jesus was faithful. I like what David says in uh, Psalm 32. It's uh, just one of his songs of uh, blessing for being forgiven. In verse 5, he says, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Every Sunday, when I get together with my brothers and sisters in Jesus, I'm reminded of this. The only thing I bring to the table is faith. I trust in God. I trust in what Jesus has done. And he forgives, just as David trusted God to confess his sins and find forgiveness. And we're going to celebrate that this morning. In just a little bit, we're going to eat and we're going to drink together. But first, I want to give you a moment because if there is something, because sometimes I try to resurrect that wall and uh, build up some of those sin blocks that need to be knocked back down again. So if there's something that you're struggling with this morning, and you need to just say, God, I need you right now to forgive me. I confess my sin to you right now so that I can come before you in your mercy and in your grace to celebrate Jesus. So we're going to have some silent time for you to do that. I'll lead us in some more prayer after that. And then we'll take communion together. It is good to know, Father, that you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins when we confess them before you. That is such a load taken off of us. Because our sin had made us weak, but now in Jesus we can be strong. 
because of his sacrifice, we can live lives that are strong and courageous to speak even when we might be afraid to speak. Because you said your word is powerful and effective. Your mercy, your grace is what covers our sin. Your Holy Spirit is at work to reach people. God, we're just here to come in faith to you, to acknowledge you as our Lord and as our Savior. You are worthy. Thank you. We come to you because of Jesus and through Jesus. Amen. So we're going to take the bread right now that represents that body, that Jesus came and had a body like this. And that body suffered, just like the sacrifices of the Old Testament. But through him, we find our forgiveness. So let's eat in honor of him. And as we take this juice and remember the blood that was shed for us, just like the blood of the sacrifices were poured out on the altar, Jesus' blood poured out for us. Let's do that to his honor and to his glory. Thank you, God, for this time of remembrance. Helps puts us at ease because we realize then that you are our strength. You are the one who forgives us. We thank you once again in Jesus. Amen. For six days, the people marched around the city. With each day, I'm sure they questioned, I'm sure they wondered, will God show up? Will he do what he has said he is going to do? And Joshua 6 continues, and it says, On the seventh day they rose early at the dawn of day. And I have to imagine that when they arose early on that dawn of day, that just like you or I, when we wake up early in the morning because of something big happening, we get that anxious feeling in our stomach, that moment in our gut where we're really wondering how the situation is going to turn out. And for them, that question might have been there of like, is God going to show up? Will we make this loud noise and will this wall actually fall down? Will God do everything he has said he is going to do? And the story continues. They marched around the city in the same manner seven times. And it was on that day, only that day, they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpet, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. And they let out this noise, this bolsterous, loud, resounding noise. And the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, they shouted a great shout, sound. And the wall falls down flat. And the people go up into the city and they take Jericho. The walls fall down. God shows up 
and he does what he says he's going to do. God will continually show up to do what he says he's going to do. Will you have faith like Joshua and be strong and courageous and bold enough to trust that? Will you be bold enough to trust that? Because Jesus himself in John 16, says, in this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have great many things you will be fearful of. In this world you will have a great many things that are terrifying. In this world you will have anxiety and pain and suffering. But have hope or take heart. I have overcome the world. So church, will we believe that? And will we let that drive us? Or will we let fear drive us? Because, friends, there is work that needs to be done. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. It is time for us to go. Be bold. Be strong and courageous. The battle is won. God has already proclaimed victory. The book ends with him making all things new and bringing all things together under his headship. Will you trust that? Will you let what you read online or what happens at work or your families? Those fearful and terrifying things dictate your movements, dictate your actions. Because I think we don't need to let those dictate our actions any longer. I think it's time for us to get to work and be bold. Disciples are needed to be made. That's our priority. That's our mission. And if you're here for the first time, and you struggle asking questions about who this Jesus guy is, John 16, 33, have hope. He has overcome any pain and any suffering and any problem in your life. And we just took communion to celebrate that because his death on the cross gives us access to eternal life. And if you want to have a conversation about that or you just need prayer because there's some stuff in your life you want to be bold and strong and courageous for, I and a couple other people will be down in front and we would love to pray for you and talk with you about that. But church, not time to be fearful any longer. It's time to be bold. There's work to be done. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we know that the harvest is plentiful. Lord, we know that there are distractions that cause us from getting to work for you. Lord, we know it's easy to let fear distract us from doing the work you have called us to. But Jesus, we ask that you remind us that you did not give us a spirit of fear and of timidness. You gave us a spirit of love, power, and of self-control in you. And so, Lord, let that motivate us. Let the power of the cross and your death and your resurrection motivate us to go and be bold, to be strong and courageous in the face of peril, in the face of our fear to proclaim the good news that you are making all things new, that you are bringing everything together under your headship. And let us go make disciples because that is our duty. That is our task. You've already won. So we give any fight to you. We trust in you with it. Empower us, Lord to do your task. It is in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus that I pray these things. And all God's people said, amen.